0: It's time to get spooky.
1: Welcome to the show. Let's go. Beautiful.
0: Yeehaw. Hello, and welcome back to the Spooky Scary Podcast. My name is Kath.
1: And my name is Chris, and we are back after our small little break, because I guess we technically had a little bit of a break.
0: Yes, I've updated our social media things, or at least Instagram, because I don't know if we use our other social media things, to say new episodes almost every Thursday, because sometimes we just, like, don't make it, and uh, it's like, it's fine, we'll catch it next week, you know?
1: We try our best. There have been times where audio has gotten lost, or sound has gotten deleted off of an audio, even though the recording is It's literally sitting on my computer. I think this all boils down to I need to buy a new computer, but I'm too poor to do so. So until that happens, we will be continuing to have technical difficulties and we'll have to just work through it.
0: I think that what this means is that if you, dear listener, um, want us to post every week, you need to get more people listening to this show so that we can start a Patreon and not have jobs anymore.
1: T. Because who likes having a job?
0: Well, it's not that I don't want to have a job. It's that I would, like, maybe this could be the job, you know? Right,
1: I would like the job to not be the current job forever. We could do,
0: like, two episodes a week. We could, like...
1: Videos, all sorts of things. Like, I would love that.
0: We could be, like, a real podcast. We're not currently. I don't actually believe that this is... I was saying this to Alex the other day. Whenever we, like, make an episode like i'm aware technically speaking that it is being uploaded to the internet but it doesn't really feel like it like it just feels like we're like um okay we just had a conversation and now that conversation is in the universe and
1: people don't think about people listening to it and then we (laughs) we check and i'm like oh like a hundred people listen to that that's not not no people
0: i'm gonna check right now we currently have 5,424 plays of all time, and our estimated audience is about 100 people. So hello, if you are part of that 100. Thank you for tuning in. We Thank appreciate Thank you for you.
1: sticking through all of the silence periods, regardless of how long they may be, whether yes. they be a week and a half or nine and a half months. You know, sometimes like to... a global pandemic happens.
0: <laughs> sometimes, yes. I would like to specifically give a shout out to our three percent non-binary audience—you, the real OGs—and
1: we appreciate I love you. you.
0: We love a they/them.
1: And we are back. For the record, though. I
0: am a they/them. I'm allowed to make that joke.
1: <laughs> <gasps>
0: I don't want to be canceled. I don't want to be canceled. <laughs>
1: Well, can I, we won't can be I even canceled be canceled yet?
0: If we have an audience of 100 people, can I, can I legally be canceled?
1: I, I don't think there's anything legal to a canceling. Oh. But I, don't, I do think it requires some sort of following.
0: No, it is legal. You go to Twitter court.
1: No, you just get put <laughs> in Twitter jail.
0: You're right. There's no
1: trial. You're just banned.
0: <laughs> don't put me in Twitter jail, guys.
1: Don't worry. We don't even have a Twitter jail to go. We don't have a Twitter to go to jail. You're right. I mean we have a Twitter but I don't know the login information. Neither do I. <laughs> so it's there. If you want to find it, maybe we'll find the login information at some point. First person to it.
0: first person to uh hit us up about our Twitter, legally we have to give you the login info. No, first person who's able to hack into our Twitter account can just keep it. You're in charge of our Twitter. <laughs>
1: If you decide to hack into our Twitter account, DM us, and you'll be our social media manager.
0: DM us from our Twitter account.
1: <laughs> but on that note, we are not talking about Twitter and DMs this entire time. We're talking about something far, far worse. Worse.
0: Really bad time. Um. So, I'm going first, right? Yes. Okay, so I went through um there there were probably like three or four episodes in a row where i was like guys watch the night stalker documentary on netflix and then i was like wait we have a true crime podcast i could just tell the story of the night stalker myself
1: and it has been a long time in the coming because we have been talking about doing a night stalker episode for probably four or five weeks now
0: yes Honestly, Um,
1: since before the documentary even first came out, like, once we heard the documentary was getting released, mm -hmm. we were like, ooh, we should do a Night Stalker episode at some point.
0: Well, the Night Stalker is interesting because there have been more than one serial killer who's been called the Night Stalker. And I think we talked about the first one who killed, like, three or four people, maybe a couple more. Um, I should have done more research on the other night stalker because there's two of them but i do think we did um like maybe i'm making this up maybe there wasn't a second night stalker
1: i was like i i don't i can't think of one but
0: there was like a serial killer who strangled people that's the
1: hillside strangler hun
0: the hillside strangler (laughs) there were two of those though right
1: There were two people involved, I believe.
0: Oh. I thought there was a thing where there was, like, a serial killer and then there was, like, another serial killer who was, like, a copycat. And they both went by the same name.
1: Bro, I don't know. There's so many serial killers and we've covered so many serial killers that my brain just kind of jumbles up all of their information together. And I'm not sure what will come out and if it's true or not at this point.
0: Whenever I start talking and I realize I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, I get nervous that nikki from our apple reviews is gonna come yell at me for not knowing my information
1: we try our best to be highly informed but then we're stupid and go on rants about things that we didn't plan to talk about beforehand and just kind of pull information out of her ass
0: (laughs) okay let's talk about something that i do know about because i did copious amounts of research about it the night stalker
1: beautiful i shall sit back shut up and listen
0: love that no, I don't. You can talk. <laughs> well, I've noticed that I go on a lot more tangents than you do, so if the audience hates me, I deeply apologize. But also, I like, just get just so, like,
1: absorbed by the story that I'm just like, ah, 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 ah. My brain has no possible room to, like, think about anything else besides what's going on.
0: Well, this story is horrible, and people probably already know this, and this is a true crime podcast, so it does get talked about a lot, but I do want to give a big trigger warning right at the beginning um, for uh, this story does involve, like, a lot of violence and rape and those kinds of things. So if you don't want to hear about that, this maybe isn't the podcast for you. Or at least this episode, I think next week we're going to talk about werewolves. And that one will probably be a great fun time for everyone.
1: And so if you don't, if this is sensitive material and you don't feel like listening, we do have an episode about Twilight where we just go on a bullshit rant about Twilight for about an hour and a half. And honestly, it's a pretty good time. So you could always go listen to that.
0: Yeah. Actually, I recommend everyone go listen to that. That was the most fun episode. And honestly, it didn't get the support that I feel like it deserved
1: Oh, no, I had so much fun with that. That, truly, that episode truly brought back my, like, love for Twilight, which I'm kind of mad about because no one needed that love to come back, especially <laughs> Stevie. He's kind of like, bro, you're obsessed with Twilight again. And I'm like, you don't need to talk about it.
0: It is 2005, and you need to leave me alone.
1: Because <laughs> I was like, well, what if we had our wedding look kind of like there's a little bit. Oh, my God, a, a
0: Twilight
1: wedding. <gasps> and he was like, so Twilight themed. I was like, no, 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 Twilight-esque.
0: Twilight-esque. Oh, my God. Just recreate Bella and Edward's wedding. Their wedding was beautiful. Their
1: wedding was gorgeous.
0: Just not with the fucking ugly-ass ring.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I want... I've looked at some really cool rings, but... Lots of conversation for off of a microphone.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. If you have a Twilight wedding, I will just... I will... I will just... Oh, my God. And I'll cut my hair and I'll be Alice.
1: Oh, my God. Can I get... Black pixie cut back, cath back, please.
0: Honestly, I was thinking about it. Here's the thing is I feel like the cut just wasn't right last time. I kind of looked a little bit like a mushroom. I also think I didn't style it correctly because it just like made my head shape look weird. I need to really embrace like more like I think if I'm going for a pixie cut again, I can't be like, I can't try to be like cute pixie cut. I need to be like, I am a skater boy.
1: She said, see you later, boy.
0: Yes, that's like the aesthetic that I need to go for (laughs) next time.
1: I think you should just go full on coconut head.
0: Oh, that sounds like a choice that I could make. Uh...
1: (laughs) You don't sound very enthused about that choice.
0: Oh, no. I mean, don't tempt me because I've made a lot of choices before that uh, were questionable
1: i want to completely change my my appearance before i go and see my family
0: i really want to dye my hair blue but i don't
1: know if i'm
0: ready for the emotional like journey that that's gonna take me on
1: i also Um, look completely i think i'm
0: allowed to because i have coworkers who have like eyebrow piercings and stuff so i feel like they wouldn't yell at me
1: i also look completely different than i do when i left florida the last time you do So, that'll be fun for all of my family to experience, because they love giving me shit about how long my hair is, and just out of spite, I'm never gonna fucking cut it again.
0: I kinda love the long hair.
1: I do too. I mean, I'm definitely gonna get it cut at some point soon, because, like, most of it's dead. (laughs) Because I've bleached (laughs) it too many times. But. I'm
0: trying to grow mine out, um, because I really wanna, like, you know in American Horror Story, Coven, I realize she doesn't really have that long of hair, but Misty. Mm Mm-hmm. I think like that's the vibe that I'm I've found myself leaning into. I've just been listening to like a lot of Fleetwood Mac and like lighting incense and I'm just like Oh my god, are you Stevie? Time, I think it's time to become like just a Bayou witch, you know? And so I'm growing my hair out. I'm going to like start putting little fucking braids in it and shit. Wearing flowy dresses. And then also somehow on top of that, we're also going to have the skater boy aesthetic. I don't know how the two are going to commingle, but we'll figure it out.
1: I think it'd be an interesting uh, clash of design.
0: I believe in myself and I believe I can do it. What if you
1: did like half and half, half bowl cut, half like hair to your ass, half flowy dress, half like leather jacket?
0: It would be a statement. (laughs) It would
1: be a statement. It wouldn't be something you could wear like daily, but it could be a (laughs) statement.
0: Um, but on the topic of American Horror Story, I think we first started talking about the Night Stalker because of... Have you seen American Horror Story 1984? I have, that yes. The year? Why did they do that, is my question.
1: Well, I think because that's around the time whenever he was...
0: It is around the time. They but did... it's not
1: the place, is it?
0: It's... Well, it does take place in LA.
1: Okay. I couldn't um, remember where i can't really remember where that season of american horror story took place because i know it's a camp but i have no idea where the camp is
0: i think part of it is in la
1: yeah like, the, like the, not like the camp beginning itself the camp beginning is in california
0: part. yeah but, but like um, the
1: exercise studio and all of that and then the ending whenever he's chased down by the angry mob
0: yes but they do kind of make him like hot like they try to make him like and I don't know, I get that that's, like, American Horror Stories thing, like, they like to be subversive and, like, weird and stuff, but it does kind of seem, like, fucked up to me to do that with, like, an actual serial killer who, like, he was active in the 80s, like, that wasn't that long ago.
1: No, and, and especially if you're doing victims... a show about the 80s,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it just, and to make him, like, sexualized, because, like... Th- the thing is, the actor doesn't look that far off from like actual Richard Ramirez. Like they did good yeah. f- a good job casting him, but they mm-hmm. oversexualized him.
0: Yeah, and like it, we can get into it, but like people did sexualize like actual Richard Ramirez, but I don't feel like that should be encouraged.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I feel like they, I could think the encouragement or, or the sexualization like up... of serial killers in general is just fucking mm-hmm. weird and should be a practice that is no longer done.
0: Yeah, I agree, but I still think, like, if they really wanted to do it, they should have made it just, like, a fictional serial killer, rather than try to make it actual Richard Ramirez, and they kind of try to humanize him a little, I don't know, it's just, like, a weird choice, in my opinion.
1: I agree. And, like,
0: he is, like, a bad guy at the end, but it's weird, and it's also false, because he, like, in the end, he's dead. Mm Mm-hmm. He didn't... Die in the 80s, Richard no. Ramirez. Which we'll get to. Um, so here's the story of the actual Richard Ramirez. Um, so this place, as I said, or er, the story, as I said, takes place in Los Angeles. It was in the summer of 1984 where the residents of LA were living in fear of the serial killer known as the Night Stalker who was on the loose. Um, and the Night Stalker was really terrifying to a lot of people because they couldn't really identify his, like, M.O. You know how serial killers kind of kill the same type of people in the same type of way normally?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He didn't really seem to specifically target one group of people. Like, it, he had, like, some patterns that he did, but it, it there wasn't just one pattern. There were, like, multiple patterns patterns that we'll get into um but it, it seems like he had a very like wide range of types of victims and methods of killing and different crimes that he liked to commit but let's get into who the actual man was um richard ramirez as we said was born on february 29th 1960 he is a loop a, a loop a leap year child he a is loop? a leap year child <laughs> Um and he was raised in El Paso, Texas. Ramirez um was abused by his father from a very young age. He had actually like a very fucked up upbringing um which, you know, a lot of people kind of do- we've talked about this before. A lot of people don't like to talk about the upbringings of serial killers because they don't like to humanize them. Mm-hmm. And it is true like people who are abused, people who have mental illnesses like They are much more likely to be the victims of abuse than they are to be abusers themselves but i don't think it's right to necessarily ignore those things because it is important to look at things that could be triggers for people to become violent or triggers for people to like do these horrible things i agree so while his childhood does not excuse anything that he did because there are tons of people who had similar childhoods to him who are Not serial killers, um, I do think it is important to acknowledge those things. So I will step off my soapbox. (laughs) Ramirez as I said was abused by his father from a very very young age and um, a lot of people do think that his abuse potentially led to him becoming violent and lacking empathy probably because he sustained a lot of, like, head injuries because of his father, including concussions, and it was so bad, like, he had so much brain damage, basically, from this that he developed epileptic seizures, and there are parts of your brain that you can get injured that can cause aggression and lack of empathy and lack of, um, like, control of Mm. impulses and stuff like that. So as a child, Ramirez moved in with his older cousin because of his abusive father. Um, And his older cousin was named Miguel, and he was a veteran in the Vietnam War. Miguel introduced um, Richard to marijuana and alcohol when he was just 10 years old. Oh my god. And, like, moving in with Miguel was not, like, a saving grace for Richard. Um, He wasn't necessarily being abused in the same way, but Miguel was not a good influence at all. He had raped, tortured, and dismembered multiple Vietnamese women while he was, um, in the army in Vietnam, and he had taken pictures while he committed these crimes, pictures that he, um, like, showed, uh, Richard while he was, like, 10, 11 years old and he would tell him the stories of like how he raped and killed these women um like basically bragging about the crimes so at age 13 uh richard was at miguel's house when miguel um shot his wife Jessie in the face while richard was in the room then and remember he was 13 at this
1: time jesus christ
0: Yeah, he was a witness to this, and then Miguel was found not guilty for the murder by reason of insanity, and he spent just four years in a mental facility for the murder. So, while Miguel was in the mental facility, Richard moved in with his sister, Ruth, and her husband, um, Roberto, but Roberto was, like, a peeping Tom, basically, like, he would go out at night and, like, like, just, like, kind of, like. Not break into people's houses. He would just, like, find windows and shit and, like, Mm -hmm. watch people, like, getting dressed or having sex or whatever. That's horrifying. Um, Yeah, and after Richard moved in, Roberto started taking him out with him at night to go do it with him. And he's 13 at this time. So, as a young teenager, um, Richard was already doing hard drugs, basically. And he had um, an interest in, like, satanism and violence but not like cool satanism that's just like atheism but a little bit more hardcore like he was like satan like Mm -hmm. here's also a thing is like (laughs) and this is kind of a recurring theme richard ramirez is a horrible person who did horrible things he's also just like really fucking cringe
1: yeah (laughs) no i see that
0: We'll talk about it more when we get to, like, his trial and shit, but, like, he would do stuff that is just, like, ugh, cringe. Like, stop. Please. Um. Anyway, so he was into Satanism and kind of, like, performative Satanism and mm-hmm. violence. And through his teenage years, Ramirez had multiple run-ins with the police for things like robbery and drug possession. So in 1977, Ramirez was 17 years old, and his cousin, Miguel, was released from the mental facility, and Ramirez moved back in with Miguel. At this time, he also got a job at a local Holiday Inn, where he, re- uh, where he actually got fired and reported for breaking into guests' rooms at night to steal things. And once, he broke in and he found a woman in the room and he attempted to rape her.
1: No! Yes, that's not I what guess you he do. Didn't,
0: no, but I guess he didn't face, like, legal action for that. He might have just gotten, like, reprimanded by police. In 1982, Ramirez left Texas and moved to California. So two years later, on April 10th, 1984, a nine-year-old girl named Mae Long was found in the basement of a San Francisco hotel. Um, she had been raped and stabbed to death, and her body was found hanging from a pipe in the basement. So this is Ramirez's first known murder, but it also wasn't originally linked to the Night Stalker at all. The crime was only connected to Ramirez in 2009 when DNA evidence from the crime was re-examined and matched to Ramirez. So with this information, many people think that Ramirez probably had other victims before this that we just don't know about. Mm -hmm. um, Because for a very long time, um, people did not know uh, that this crime was connected to the Night Stalker. They believed that his first crime took place on June 28th, 1984. So for a long time, this was considered to be the first attack of the Night Stalker. Um, When uh, Ramirez broke into the home of a 79-year-old woman named um, Jenny Vinkow, while she was asleep and when he didn't find anything valuable in the house to steal he apparently became enraged and he slit Vinkau's throat and like so deeply that he almost decapitated her. After killing her he then sexually assaulted her body and left the home through the window where he left a fingerprint on the screen. As far as we know um, he actually didn't strike again again as far as we know because there probably are a lot of crimes that he committed that we don't know that Mm -hmm. he committed um but the next crime that we are aware of took place the following spring on march 17th 1985 so um uh there was a 22 year old girl named maria hernandez who arrived at her home in rosemead california And she opened the garage, and then she heard a noise behind her, and she saw a man standing outside. The man then pulled out a gun and shot at her, but Maria covered her face with her hands, and she was holding her keys. And by literally the grace of God, the bullet ricocheted off her keys rather than going into her face. Oh my god. So... It still, like, knocked her to the ground and caused some injuries, um, but she fell to the ground. Ramirez then kind of kicked her body out of the way into the garage and proceeded to go through the garage into um, the house. Once he... So there was, like, a garage door that went into the house. Mm -hmm. Once he had left the garage and went inside, Maria got up and booked it, basically. (laughs) Ramirez then entered the house where Maria's roommate, who was 34-year-old Dale Yoshi Akazaki, was in the kitchen. And she had heard the gunshot outside and was hiding behind the um, kitchen counter. But then when she didn't hear anything and she thought that he had maybe left, she kind of peeked her head over the counter, um, where she found that Ramirez was basically waiting for her to pop up, and then he shot her in the head. So while she was running away, Maria heard that second gunshot and turned around because she hadn't realized that her roommate was home. So she ran back to her house. So she ran back to the house, and she assumed that Ramirez would be leaving through the garage, so she started to go through the front door. But he had also tried to exit through the front door so they like literally ran into each other as he was leaving the scene and she was approaching the scene Maria said that he seemed like very startled that she was alive um, so she just put her hands up and said like you already shot me once do you have to do it again and when she said that she says that Ramirez basically just laughed and then walked away
1: I kind of hate so that's- that that's
0: Yeah, like, he was just like, good one, bye. (laughs) Like, I guess that was his energy. He didn't say anything, but um, that same night, so only 40 minutes later, so uh, basically he leaves, does not shoot Maria. She goes inside, sees her roommate is dead, calls the police. He goes to Monterey Park, where he stopped a 30-year-old woman named Sia Leanne, um, also known as Veronica, and her last name was Yu, and she was driving down the street basically and he pulled her out of her car and then shot her twice before running off. So earlier I said that like he doesn't really have a MO and like he kind of doesn't but I did say that he has like a series of patterns that I noticed so like one of those things is that it seems like he was attacking a lot of Asian women but that's not like his only I guess, demographic that he attacks. Like, there's also all these other demographics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, yeah, that is something that I noticed, is that his first couple killings especially were all, like, Asian women who were, like, younger, like, 20s and 30s. So, anyway, the police visited Maria Hernandez in the hospital to draw a sketch of the man that she saw, and the police also noticed that these same types of bullets were used in the Monterey park shooting as the Rosemead shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, they also were kind of interested in the idea that like, kind of in all three instances, it seemed like the killer, like if he really just wanted to kill somebody, he could have just done it. Like Maria was turned away from him. Um, Dale was behind the counter and Veronica was in her car so he could and he had a gun so he could have just shot but he waited for a situation where they were like looking at him Mm -hmm. to attack so that was also something that they noticed that was like a commonality but they didn't connect that all of these three things were committed by the same person anyway so March 27th 1985 Ramirez went back to a home that he had already burglarized in his past And this was the home of 64-year-old Vincent Zazara and his 44-year-old wife, Maxine. So he went into the couple's bedroom and then he um, shot Vincent while he was asleep. When Maxine woke up after hearing the bullets, Ramirez then um, beat and restrained her before searching the home for valuables. He then returned, after he had collected the stuff he wanted to steal, he sexually assaulted her, shot her three times stabbed her and then gouged her eyes out and then he left her eyes in one of her jewelry boxes
1: that just got i
0: didn't didn't want to say that sentence out loud
1: (laughs) so much worse Yeah. so quickly yeah but also all i can think about is twilight
0: (laughs) in what context
1: well the weird russian people who come to want to fight the Volturi talk about how they want to gouge Arrow's eyes out.
0: Oh. I need to read the books again. I do not remember that.
1: Yeah. Bro, I'm literally, like, in the thick of it right now. I just got to the quote-unquote fight scene.
0: We love a Russian vampire.
1: Because I genuinely forgot everything the fight scene entailed.
0: I feel like the fight, does the fight scene entail anything? My memory of it is literally that they all gather in a clearing and then they're just like, our bad, and then they walk away.
1: Well, so Garrett does this whole big revolutionary speech thing where he's like, they aren't here to listen to the truth. They're here to kill us. So either you Mm -hmm. can be a part of that or you can fight with us or you can leave. But if you leave, just Mm -hmm. know once they kill us, they have to too, bitch. And Ara was like, that's not true. <laughs> and everyone's like but it is, is he though. Mickey Mouse? He is Mickey Mouse.
0: <laughs> Love that.
1: Um and then the short little blonde one who makes people on fire without being on fire. Jane. Jane? Yeah. And her brother, they start to like do their thing at people but they're that's when the bella's like hey, 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 I have a shield, bitch. <laughs> Quote, like, from the book, Word for Word, what yes, Bella says. Yes, she says that exactly. And
0: how do they spell?
1: <laughs> E-H dash, E-H dash, E-H <laughs> dash. We love it. And then, uh, Rami Malek <laughs> cu- opens up a, ga- a, like, fissure in the ground.
0: His character's name is Benjamin. I haven't read these books since, like, eighth grade, so don't ask me how I know that, but I do.
1: I... I'm sure if I tried, I could list the majority of the vampires that, like, come to the Cullen's house.
0: I think that I read- I read all the books at some point in college, but I think I literally stopped reading after Renesmee was born, because I was like, the second half of Breaking Down Part 2 just makes me angry.
1: Yeah, no, her birth is an abomination on this franchise, but, um, (laughs) refried beans had to fit in somewhere, I guess.
0: I'm never calling her anything but refried beans ever again. But That's amazing.
1: The So the fight scene isn't actually a fight scene, but, like, for a minute, Bella's like, all right, well, we all about to die. Guess we're going to go down fighting. Let's go, bitch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then all of a sudden they're like.
0: Bring the action.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stevie's like, I can't watch this scene without seeing that now.
0: The editing?
1: It's amazing. amazing. I can't imagine how many times it took someone watching that to be like. All right, I got it.
0: Why is the timing so perfect?
1: They have a lot of free time. We are in the middle of a pandemic. I guess all they had to do was watch break that fight scene in Breaking Dawn part 2 repeatedly before they realized Black Eyed Peas was the perfect addition. It's what the scene was missing, truly.
0: It really was. I every time I watched it, I was like this Like just whenever be a Esme bit does like the something.
1: and it goes, "Oh yo." It's <laughs> <laughs> just
0: perfect. It's so good. Oh, I hope we can post this video on our Instagram.
1: I know. Or just put, we could put the TikTok on our story.
0: Yeah. There's no let's there's no that. rules against that. You right. And then maybe we can put it as like a highlight and that way it'll stay there. Mhm.
1: The entire all four parts.
0: We're going to create a highlight called nonsense. Yeah. And It's just going
1: gonna... to be us keeping track of all the bullshit uh, episodes that we throw in here when we can't think of anything true crime or paranormal to talk about.
0: Yes, I love that. I do Um, I guess I have to return to talking about the sad stuff now. Yeah,
1: I apologize for taking up time with the Twilight stuff, but I felt it was important to talk about again, because (laughs) we didn't have enough of it two weeks ago.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: My phone keeps Um, falling.
0: So, yes, uh, eyes in the jewelry box. Mm -hmm. He just did that, I guess. Bad time. Very bad time. Um, So this is kind of the start of another one of his, uh, like, MOs. So it's the start of something new. No, stop that. That was bad. It was bad when you thought about it, and it was bad when you said it.
1: (laughs) I did debate it for a half second. I was like, I'm not going to say it. And I was like, no, you're not. You're going to fucking say it.
0: So I said that he was kind of, it seems like his target demographic was like, like, Asian women. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of starts this new thing of breaking into the homes of older couples, killing the husband in his sleep, and then raping and then killing the wife.
1: Well, that's not very nice. So that is,
0: a, like, a secondary thing that he just starts doing. And then he has more weird, like, patterns that he also has. So he's he's literally, like, five serial killers in one.
1: No wonder he was so hard to catch.
0: Yeah. So, after he did his thing with the eyes, he then left through the window, and he left bullets at the scene and a shoe print in their flower bed.
1: I, for some reason, pictured, when you said flower bed, just a, like, pile of, like, baking flour on the floor (laughs) that he stepped in, and I don't know why. (laughs) I was like, how would he have had access to their flour? Like, what was, did he make bread real quick first? I love
0: the idea that he himself was like, this will show him, and then poured flour all over their floor, and then made the choice to step in it.
1: Mm-hmm. He's like, I'ma just no. leave him a little little, little <laughs> teaser.
0: So he left through the window, and he stepped in their garden, basically, <laughs> is what actually happened.
1: That makes a lot more sense than just stepping in a pile of flour.
0: Yes. So, flash forward to May 14th, 1985. Um, Ramirez broke into the Monterey Park home of Bill and Lillian Doy. He shot Bill in the face. um, And for some reason, that didn't kill him immediately. So he then beat him unconscious, and then he bound and raped Lillian before he began searching their house. And Bill later um, passed away in the hospital.
1: What about Lillian? Is she Okay. Well, uh, she... alive.
0: I don't know if she's still alive. She did not die from that event, though. So sometimes he would kill the wife, sometimes he wouldn't. Mm. I don't know what dictated that. <laughs> May 29th, um, 1985, so same month, Ramirez stole a car and drove it to Monrovia, California, where 84-year-old Mabel Bell lived with her disabled sister, Florence Lang. Ramirez broke into their home, where he first attacked Florence with a hammer and restrained her in her room. Um, He then attacked and raped Mabel, and using one of Mabel's lipsticks, Ramirez drew pentagrams on her body and the walls of their bedrooms. The women were found two days later still bound to their beds, but both of them were alive. Uh, They were taken to the hospital, where Mabel did eventually die due to her injuries
1: it makes me so sad yeah
0: the next day ramirez drove his stolen car to burbank where he broke into carol kyle's home he tied up both carol and her 11 year old son um and then well so he tied up carol she had an 11 year old son he made the son show him where all their valuables are and then he tied the son up he then raped carol and then left them both tied up and left
1: So they both survived. I don't know why this was my, I I don't know why I I said we should do Night Stalker, because this is a bad time.
0: No, it's a very bad time. We're always like, serial killers, and then we're doing the story, and we're like, oh no, serial killers. Yeah. Like, we forget that, like, the part of a serial killer that makes them a serial killer is the killing. Is the fact that they serial kill.
1: (laughs) I've been watching a fuck ton of Criminal Minds recently. Like, I don't understand why, but it's just been my go-to mindless TV show.
0: I went through that phase, but then I started being sad, so I stopped.
1: And, like, I watch these things, and I start to, f- like, for some of the like, sh- episodes, I feel a little bit of, like, sympathy for the killer, and then they arrest them, I'm like, oh, why'd you have to do that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, 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 they just violently murdered other people. Like, that. that's yeah, yeah. That, That's the reason they're being investigated. It's because they violently murdered yeah, people. you're not allowed
0: people. to do that. <laughs> you're not allowed to kill people.
1: Regardless of how sad you are about your girlfriend leaving you.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that the Frankie Muniz one?
1: Oh my god, there's a Frankie Muniz one. I don't think I've gotten oh god, to that yes. one yet.
0: It's I think it's in like season two or three. Oh, then I have it's not amazing.
1: I did not watch I started watching it like season six.
0: Oh, I had to start watching watch the when the quality was like
1: tolerable.
0: There's some really good episodes in season one and two. I think it might just be because I love Mandy patinkin but
1: I've been watching a lot of NCIS as well and braving the shitty quality because I love Abby.
0: (laughs) I love that for you.
1: There was a point to me talking about Criminal Minds and I forgot what it... Oh, no, I I finished the point of the story. Never mind. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) I immediately forgot everything I just said.
0: Okay, so we are... I guess he took the month of June off. And then on July 2nd, 1985, Ramirez drove his stolen car to Arcadia, California, where he broke into 77-year-old Mary Louise Cannon's house. He beat her with a lamp and then stabbed her to death.
1: Why a lamp?
0: Because he is a... He's a fucking weird dude.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's acceptable. I mean, beyond
0: weird. He's like a bad... He's a horrid person, but he's also just fucking weird.
1: Yeah. That's He's fair. both
0: of those things.
1: Bad, weird, um, b- weird.
0: Mhm. B- weird. <laughs> <laughs> so another uh, thing that he did was uh, during this time, there was also a series of kidnappings that were happening. At least five children between the ages of five and nine were kidnapped from their own beds, and one girl was kidnapped from her school playground. All of the kids had like a similar story where they went missing for several hours up to a day until all of them were found wandering along the freeway after having been molested. The children all described their kidnapper as having dark curly hair, yellow teeth, that he smelled really, really bad, and they all said that he looked somewhat similar to the police sketch that was based on Maria Hernandez's account. So a lot of people at the time like, were basically laughing at the idea that all of these attacks were committed by one man because they, like, didn't really have much in common. Like, mm-hmm. he was, like, had this, like, very similar M.O. with, like, breaking into older couples' houses, killing one mate, like, sometimes he would let people live randomly. Like, then he was kidnapping children, and then sometimes he was just, like, shooting people in broad daylight. He was, like, using guns, knives, blunt objects, lamps... That random time he gouged someone's eyes out. Like, normally when there's a serial killer, they have, like, a pattern. And they do that same thing over and over again with, like, slight variations, maybe. But this guy, it like, does, like, apparently he will kill anyone anyway, anyhow. And also maybe he'll kidnap some children in the process.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, so people were like, no, it's not one dude. Like, th- these crimes are not connected. However... Um, rookie detective Gil Carrillo identified a key piece of evidence that proved without a doubt that all of these crimes were being committed by a single person. And um, Gil, this detective, is a big part of the Netflix documentary, Mm -hmm. and he is a very likable man, and I recommend you go watch it because he's fun to listen to. He tells the story so well. Um, Anyway, so this piece of evidence, this is fucking bananas. (laughs) So the killer left i told you about how he left the shoe print and the flower (laughs) um this killer left this shoe print at a bunch of crime scenes either like in blood in the home or near the home in the dirt or was it purposeful no i think he was just stupid oh okay i think he was like cocky and stupid Mm. and so he just like didn't really care that much um so satan would
1: cover his tracks
0: Yes, I guess. And also, I think the fact that his crimes were so, like, Mm random-seeming, he kind of... I don't know how much of it was, like, planned in terms of trying to escape the police. Like, it seemed like, in his head, the fact that he could get caught by the police wasn't really a concern. Oh, okay. Like, he didn't really seem to think about it. Um...
1: Interesting. Anyway,
0: so he left all these shoe prints, and detectives were able to identify that this was a size 11.5 shoe, and it had a very distinct pattern on the sole that was ad- identified as belonging to a particular model of Avia shoes. Witnesses all said that the Night Stalker wore black shoes, and only. So they looked into these shoes, and only six pairs of this type of shoe were created in the color black in a size 11.5, and out of those six, only one was sold in Los Angeles. Oh. To the Night Stalker. <laughs> oh. Well, that narrows so it, it was, down quite a bit. Yeah, so that was their proof that, like, one dude was doing all of this.
1: How did they find shoe sales records?
0: <laughs> well, it wasn't so much that they found the shoe sales records, but they talked to the company, Avia, mm. and they were able to look into, like, their distributing records of, like, where the shoes were distributed. Oh, Because it okay. a pretty small brand of shoe, So that, like, so small that, like, they only made six pairs of this one shoe in this one size. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, once police had this piece of proof that all of the crimes were committed by one man, that's when they started being like, oh, it's a serial killer. Unfortunately, there was this, like, kind of fucked up situation where they were sitting on this evidence, and this, once they knew it was a serial killer... It became, like, a media sensation. Mm -hmm. They were calling him, like, they were calling him a bunch of different names. At first, they called him the Valley Intruder, the Walk-In Killer, um, and I actually found a lot of, like, articles that were from newspapers in 1985, like, talking about it and, like, calling him the Valley Intruder, the Walk-In Killer, but um, one paper called him the Night Stalker, and then that name is what stuck. But uh, the LAPD also um had increased their presence on the street and they created a public task force dedicated to the night stalker they were working with the fbi um but like public anxiety was insane so even though it was the summer people were basically staying inside like the city was very quiet for once and there was a like huge surge in the sales of guns like door lock mechanisms burglar alarms attack dogs all that kind of stuff jesus Unfortunately, um, they were sitting on this piece of evidence because they didn't, they were really worried about the media, like, publishing what they had as evidence and then that getting in the way of, like, how the Night Stalker would then behave. But the people of Los Angeles were like, are you guys gonna tell us anything? Like, do you know anything? Do you have any idea who the fuck this person is? And so the mayor of Los Angeles was, like, kind of stuck between these two things. And she ended up holding a press conference where she told the public and the media about this fucking shoe. So then, from that point forward, he stopped wearing the shoes. Of course. Which took away one of their pieces of evidence that helped figure out if this crime was being committed by him or being committed by someone else. But... On July 5th, 1985, Ramirez attacked 16-year-old Whitney Bennett with a tire iron while she slept in her home in Sierra Madre, California. He then tried to strangle her with a telephone cord, but the cord actually, like, I don't really fully understand this, but the cord caught sparks, like, while he was trying to strangle her with it, and it freaked Ramirez out so much, and Whitney said that he said something about, like, god or the devil or something and he thought that it was getting sparked because like god was trying to stop him from killing her and she said that he like freaked out and just ran away from the scene so she lived
1: interesting a
0: couple days later on july 7th of 1985 so most serial killers like between killings there's a pretty decent amount of time his all take place like days or weeks in between like the most he ever went was maybe like a month That we know of, because we don't even know if this was all the people he killed. Right. So anyway, July 7th, 1985, Ramirez broke into 61-year-old Joyce Lucille Nelson's home in Monterey Park. He broke in, stole from her home, and then beat her to death, where he... um, Actually, I think this was the last instance of the shoe print. He... and it probably was kind of a fuck you to the police, because after he beat her to death, he left a shoe print on her face yeah like fucked up he then immediately broke into sophie dickman's home where he handcuffed her at gunpoint sexually assault her um assaulted her and then began burglarizing her home and he said she claims that he made her swear on satan that he had taken everything of value from her home before he left
1: jesus christ
0: yeah so july 20th 1985 ramirez bought a machete and he stole a new car to drive to Glendale, California where he entered the home of 66-year-old Lila um, Needing and 68-year-old Maxine Needing's home. He then used his new machete to torture them and then he shot them both. He then also stole all of their valuables and drove to Sun Valley where he broke into the um, Covenant's home where he fatally shot 32-year-old um, Chenarong Kovanath, while he slept, Ramirez then raped and beat Somkid Kovanath before tying up their 8-year-old son. He had Somkid tell him where all of their valuables were and then told her to swear on Satan that he, she wasn't hiding any money. So a little bit later... August 6th 1985 Ramirez broke into Chris and Virginia Peterson's home where he shot Virginia in the face then shot Chris in the neck and tried to flee the scene however Chris is apparently a goddamn superhero and despite just being shot in the neck he managed to survive and tried to like tackle Ramirez and stop him from leaving but Ramirez was able to escape but both Chris and Virginia did survive the attack
1: Jesus Christ. I just I keep yeah. waiting for like the light at the end of the tunnel and you just keep like listing off murder after murder after murder and I'm like nope, still not still not the it's end gonna of it. It's been huh? bad
0: for a while. Um but I will tell you that this story does have I mean not an amazing ending because like obviously all these people died or were hurt or were attacked. Um so like at no point is it a good story, but the the ending does like feel like you feel like you get some justice Mm -hmm. i feel like so august 8th 1985 ramirez broke um into the home of sakina and elias Abowath. i am sorry if i'm pronouncing any names wrong also i tried to look up the pronunciations but i'm really bad at i'm just i'm just bad so i'm (laughs) I'm just bad yeah (laughs) so he fatally shot elias while he slept And then he handcuffed, beat, and raped Sakina and tied up their three-year-old son, then stole their valuables and left. A few days later, on August 18th, 1985, Ramirez left Los Angeles for the San Francisco Bay Area, where he broke into Peter and Barbara Pan's home. I would just like to point out this man's name is Peter Pan. (laughs) Unfortunately for Peter, um... He was shot in the head and killed. And uh, Ramirez then um, beat and raped Barbara before killing her as well. He used her lipstick to draw pentagrams on the walls and on their bodies and then wrote the phrase, Jack the knife on their bedroom wall. Not sure what that means.
1: Is he calling himself Jack and he is a knife? Or is he telling him to take the knife? Or...
0: I don't know. I don't know if any of us know what he meant by that. I'm going to see if there's like some more information about this. Oh, it's a s- no. There's a song by Bobby Darin called Mac the Knife.
1: Hmm, I wonder if it's related.
0: Oh, Jack the Knife is a uh, a uh, person who was potentially believed to have been Jack the Ripper. Ah. So there we go. We figured it out. <laughs> um, on August 25th, 1985, Ramirez drove to Mission Viejo in a stolen orange Toyota. There was a 13-year-old boy named James Romero who heard a disturbance outside while he was in the garage. I guess he, like, was... It was the middle of the night, but he was trying, he couldn't sleep, so, and he had, like, a little motorbike that he was, like, fixing. Um, so he went into the garage to, like, play with his motorbike at, like, 3 in the morning. Um, as 13-year-old boys do. Right, of course. While he was in the garage, he heard this disturbance, and he kind of went to go look, and he saw a man sneaking around outside of their home in the middle of the night, like, looking like he was trying to break in. So James ran inside and woke up his parents, and they kind of turned all the lights on and stuff. And then James ran outside, which I don't know why the parents allowed this 13-year-old boy to go running after the Night Stalker, but they did. Um, so James ran outside, and he saw Ramirez run like leaving. He was able to get a clear view of his face, like they made eye contact. He also got the make and model of the car and a partial license plate. So they called the police and gave them this information. Ramirez left the Romero's home, drove like a mile and a half away where he broke into the home of Bill Carnes and Inez Erickson. He shot Carnes three times in the head and tortured Erickson, telling her that he was the night stalker and forcing her to um swear herself to Satan while he raped her. No. As he, he he's a psycho. <laughs> As he left, he told her, tell them the Night Stalker was here. After finding out about the murder of Bill Carnes and the attack on um, Inez Erickson, the police went to the Romero home, even though it was like 3, 4 in the morning, because, so they got this call that, like, there was a guy trying to break into our house, here's the information we have about them, and then a little bit later they found out that a mile and a half away this attack happened. So the police went to the home to get more information about what they had seen Mm -hmm. inez erickson also gave officials a description of ramirez and with james romero's help um, police were able to find the stolen car in la the car had been thoroughly cleaned out before it was abandoned but the police were able to find a single full fingerprint in the back that was a match to richard ramirez the police then found one of Richard's old mugshots because he had been arrested multiple times before for like drug possession and burglary and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they were able to find the mugshot via the fingerprint. Um, and this is some crazy shit. They had like, so it was 1985, so they didn't have like a great computer system or anything, but they had a computer system that had the fingerprints and mugshots of criminals only who were born 1960 and after. Richard Ramirez was born February of
1: 1960.
0: Mm. So if he had born been born two months earlier, he wouldn't have been in that system. Jesus. And they wouldn't have found him through this fingerprint.
1: That's some Love fucking, it. like, dumb luck right there.
0: For real. So Richard lived this, like, very transient lifestyle at this time. He basically spent all of his time traveling around California in stolen vehicles and killing people. So police... Even though they knew who he was, they had no way of locating him. Mm -hmm. And as I said, the police were trying a lot to, like, be very secretive about the case. They would, like, this whole time they were paying off reporters not to publish details about the case. They were trying really hard not to give anybody any information because they were scared that if the Night Stalker had intel, that it would make it harder for them to catch him. However, at this point, they decided that the rate at which he killed people, like waiting, would just mean that more people were going to die. So they, they were like, we can't fucking find him. So they just released his name and picture to the public. At this time, <laughs> Ramirez had coincidentally decided to go visit his brother in Tucson, Arizona. So he returned to L.A. on August 30th, 1985, on a bus, completely unaware of the fact that his name and face were being broadcast all over L.A. When he got off the bus on August 31st, Ramirez went to a liquor store. A bunch of witnesses report that Ramirez basically walked in, picked up a newspaper where his face was on the front page, stared at it in shock for like a second before just like booking it out of the store. Ramirez immediately upon leaving that liquor store tried to steal a woman's car, but there were onlookers who pulled him off of her and the car, he was unfortunately able to escape, and he ran into a neighbor, um, a neighborhood in East LA where he attempted to steal another car on Hubbard Street. So he first attempted to steal a vintage Mustang, but he somehow, the, like, guy who owned this Mustang was, like, trying to stop him, and he ended up driving it into the owner's house. He then jumped out of the car and ran, like to the next house over where he tried to steal another car. So this is literally just like a manic, like they know it's me, fuck, I got to get out of here kind of thing that's happening. So he tries to steal another car. The driver, who is in the car, Angie um, De La Torre, fought back and Ramirez punched her in the stomach and then wrestled the car keys from her. He was about to get in the car when a neighbor, 85-year-old Jose Burgoyne, saw this happening and he ran out of his house to help ramirez like threatened to shoot him if he came any closer but jose was like i don't see a gun so he risked it and basically came after him and tried pulling ramirez out of the car bear in mind ramirez is in his 20s jose is 85
1: (laughs) what a fucking badass
0: by this point he's tried to steal like three cars he's punched people in the face he drove a car into someone's house there's a bunch of onlookers people are running out of their homes And they all know this is the Night Stalker because they've seen his face on TV right? and, like, in the newspaper. So Ramirez is in this, like, scuffle with Jose. He ends up knocking Jose over and then just starts booking it running down the street. But by this point, there are all of these people who have left their house. And this is, like, a Latino community, so it's, like, all of these just, like, dudes who are, like, not like Ramirez, obviously, but, like, he's Latino and they're all Latino and it's a Latino community and... Um, The videos that there's like news videos of not this specifically happening, but like a bit later Mm -hmm. after once the media came and it's like amazing. Like the sense of community that's there is crazy. But basically a large group of members of the community just chased him down the street. He tried like climbing a fence to get away from him and they like pulled him down. Somebody had like a metal pipe that they like were beating him with to try to get him to stop. They eventually just like pinned him down and they kept him there until the police showed up. So something about like the fact that he terrorized LA and then just this like community of people living on the street in East LA or the people who brought him down mm-hmm. is like so such poetic. a good ending yeah. to the story. I feel like
1: it's a very poetic and that's justice what I mean about of, it. like,
0: yeah, it's so good. Um, but anyway, July 22nd, 1988, about three years later, jury selection began for ramirez's trial at his first appearance and this is what i say when i mean he's fucking cringy ramirez showed the camera that he had drawn pentagrams on the palms of his hand and they like asked him if he wanted to say anything and he like yelled hail satan into the microphone and then he like looks so fucking proud of himself because he's a little cringe lord
1: i remember those pictures He's literally
0: like He's, like, so embarrassing. Like, I mean, like, he's a horrible person, and he killed people and raped people, and he's awful, but also, like, he's trying so hard to be edgy, it, like, makes me want to die.
1: Yeah, no, Um, it's not good.
0: Yeah. This is some crazy shit. August 14th, 1988, Ramirez's trial is supposed to happen, but it ends up getting delayed because one of the jurors didn't show up. The juror, who is named Phyllis Singletary, is later found shot dead and killed in her apartment. So for like a while, people were like, oh my God, is he somehow behind this? Like, does he have like people? But it was later determined that her boyfriend actually killed her and then he committed suicide. So it was unrelated, but Jesus, it is just like a crazy also thing that happened. So on September 20th, 1989, Ramirez was convicted on 13 counts of murder, five attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults and 14 burglaries. And he was sentenced to death. When asked by reporters how he felt about getting the death sentence, Ramirez said, quote, So what? It comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland. I don't fucking know. I think he was trying to, like, make a joke about, like, you know, when they're like, You just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do now? I'm going to Disney World. Maybe he was trying to, like, do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, he also often performed for the cameras throughout his trial, like, yelling about Satan like purposefully making like inflammatory comments to show that he had no remorse he was like making like rock on signs with his hands like to the cameras um he would like he played up this whole thing of like being animalistic where he would like bare his teeth and stuff like that um so there was kind of this whole media circus there was also this whole thing where like girls thought he was cute for some fucking reason so they would like send him love letters and like naked pictures and he had like a little fan club all of that to say on June seventh, twenty thirteen, Ramirez died at age fifty three of cancer while awaiting his execution, and that is the story of the Night Stalker.
1: That was a, a fucking roller coaster of a time. Like I knew most yeah. of this information from like other documentaries and podcasts and stuff I listened to, but like hearing it again still doesn't make it any any better.
0: Yeah, no, it's a bad time for sure. And, uh, I don't know. That's why I feel so weird. I actually didn't know anything about the Night Stalker when I first watched the American Horror Story season. But, like, doing all this research and stuff and then looking back at it, like, it just seems so fucking tone deaf to, like... I get that he was, like, a bad guy in the show, but, like, he wasn't... It just seems weird. Like, they made him, like, sexy. And, it like, also
1: seems a little odd to kind of take away from his actual victims by fictionalizing other victims and, like... Yeah. ...different actions and everything. Like, you don't have to fictionalize what he did because the things he did are hor- horrific enough. And, yeah. like, it's one thing to bring awareness to the things he did and shed light on his victims and everything, but not doing it in a way that kind of takes away from...
0: Yeah, and I think people forget that, like, he also has a lot of young victims. Like, he kidnapped a lot of children and molested them. And he also, a lot of the children of people he killed, he tied them up in their home and they could hear their parents being attacked and killed. And, like, they were children in the 80s.
1: Which means they're they're, like,
0: in their 30s or 40s now? Yeah. So, like,. Like, it wasn't that fucking long ago.
1: <laughs> it just... it's it, I, I kind of understand what they were doing with it. Because, you know, summer camp in the 80s, they had... But they already had, like, a serial killer, you know, for that season. So it just didn't yeah. make any sense for them to bring in Richard Ramirez as well. Because they kind of had the whole serial killer who the season was centered around anyway. Mm-hmm. So adding him was just kind of like an afterthought that wasn't necessary.
0: And it would be one thing if they made a serial killer that was maybe like kind of semi based on him, but they like changed his name and like he didn't they didn't try to make him look the same
1: right and they, like kind of how like
0: if it was a like fictional
1: yeah like well like how criminal minds does like sometimes they'll do cases that are inspired by real life cases, but they change mm-hmm. the names, appearances, and things like yeah. that because it who who benefits from furthering the killer's story
0: yeah and I mean like think about the fact that like like there were there was this girl um one of the girls who was kidnapped as a child by him was in the documentary and she is very young like she's like in her 30s and um like just imagine being that like you're just living your fucking life and then you're watching tv and you see a commercial where they have like sexy Richard Ramirez in this fucking TV show. I don't know. It just, like, feels very weird to me. No, like, I why agree. that?
1: <laughs> I, I don't like it, though. I, I don't... I mean, the season wasn't that good anyway. Let's be honest. Most of them haven't been joy. good since fucking Coven was over.
0: American Horror Story is so weird because I feel like it always starts in a place where I'm, like, really interested... And then by the time I get to the end, I'm like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah. And there's always elements of the story that I like. But then instead of, like, following those elements to a logical conclusion...
1: They just like, kind of do what whatever the fuck just... they want.
0: They're like, what if we make this as nonsensical as possible? And it's always confusing. Well,
1: like, in uh, Apocalypse... Mm -hmm. Everyone was so excited because it was supposed to be the, like, crossover between Murder House and Coven, and then what we Mm -hmm. got was this, like, 12 episodes of what the fuck is going on here.
0: It really just turned into Coven Part 2.
1: Yeah, no, it did. Especially towards the end.
0: Which was, like, I would have been okay with that, but it was also, like... I was really interested in, like, the apocalypse thing that they started, and then they just abandoned that.
1: Yeah, no, as soon as the witches, like, got reintroduced, they were like, all right, bye apocalypse, now to stop the devil.
0: It's coven part two now.
1: And they were like, we said it was going to be murder house, but by that we just meant the baby that was born in murder house, he's the devil now.
0: Which I think is interesting, and I would have been okay with them doing that, but I'm also kind of like... Like I love Coven. I get it. Coven was a vibe. Coven was like 2013 packaged into an episode of a uh, a series of a television show. Yeah. So I understand the appeal of Coven. I do. But also like we didn't really need a part 2 in my in my humble opinion.
1: I disagree I they but I do. also brought
0: hotel into apocalypse. Do what? They brought Hotel into Apocalypse as well. Did
1: they? I never finished Apocalypse.
0: Um, yeah, because... Uh, what was her name? Um, Gabroy Sibidi. Her... The witch. Mm. She is, like, stuck in the hotel. In Hotel.
1: Oh, right, 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 right.
0: Okay, well... Uh, <laughs> normally, we kind of switch it off and on, where we each tell a story. But if you tell your story, this episode is literally going to be, like, three hours long.
1: Yeah, and... I'm going to be real with you. I'm tired and I got a lot of shit to do tonight and tomorrow. So I'm kind of down if we just make this a Night Stalker episode. I yes. will save my story for a later date because I do have notes done contrary to anyone's belief who thinks I'm just being lazy. I have notes done. I am but just honestly, being lazy I don't and don't want to read them.
0: I don't know if I can emotionally handle hearing about another murder right now.
1: Yeah, because um, mine is bad.
0: Yeah, and mine was also really bad. So, like, maybe, maybe, maybe that's we have one bad for, for the day. Today. So we will be back next week. Probably no, I make no promises to anyone ever. But uh, we will try to be back next week with a werewolf episode,
1: which will be a fun little break from this week. So stay yes. tuned until next week. But until then, that has been Kath.
0: And that has been Chris.
1: And I'm going to go pass out. Bye.
0: Stay spooky, y'all.